Welcome on My Shoes Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Young, and I'll be chatting with all kinds of folk, highlighting the experiences of people with mental health problems, many of whom feel on the edge of society, as I walk around the edge of the UK over the next couple of years. Following in the steps of a hero of mine, Satish Kumar, a Jain monk who went on a peace march in the 1960s, I'll be taking no money with me. His guru felt, if he did, he'd like the motivation to speak with people at the end of the day, and that the only people he'd meet would be hoteliers. I thought if this amazing man could walk from India into Pakistan, expect and receive wonderful hospitality when the two countries were at war, then I should expect nothing less from the people on this beautiful island of ours. So far, I've walked the 4,000 or so miles anti-clockwise from Edinburgh to North Wales, and the people I've met, without exception, have been fabulous. Oh, I nearly forgot to mention, I have a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder, a severe and enduring mental health problem, which, although it curtails me, doesn't define me. But this isn't a story about me, this is all about those fabulous people I'll be meeting as I go. Well, since my mental wheels fell off over Christmas and New Year, I'll be talking with some of the fabulous folk I've met virtually on social media and otherwise until, well, until I manage to put the wheels back on. That said, it doesn't have to be quite so selective. I'm inviting you to be part of the story. We're told we've become a more divided nation in recent years, and I'm here to prove that wrong. Join me. I'd love to hear and share your story. Help me on my journey as we challenge mental health stigma one conversation at a time. You can call me on 07535035909, that's 07535035909, or email me at hello at letswalkamile.org, or you can follow me on Twitter at walkamileuk. In this episode, I'll be talking with Neil Carpenter, the author of Austerity's Victims, Living with a Learning Disability Under Cameron and May. It's available on paperback on Amazon for £6.57 or on Kindle for the princely sum of 99p. On the first page of his book, he uses the quote, The mark of a civilised society is how it treats its most vulnerable members. And throughout the podcast, you'll hear time and again about how, as a society, we're making a complete arse of things. If you're listening to this using the Anchor.fm app, then I'd be delighted if you'd leave an audio message I can play in the next episode. I'd really love to hear your thoughts on what Neil has to say. episode I'm speaking with uh, Neil Carpenter, the author of Austerity's Victims, Living with a, a Learning Disability under Cameron and May. Welcome, Neil. Uh, g- good morning, Chris. G- good to speak to you. Great. Thanks ever so much for coming along. I really uh, appreciate it. I-, I loved your book. So what, what can you tell the listener, what is your book about? Um, well, it's Perhaps if I if I just explain the, the work I do as a volunteer first, because that mm-hmm. gives you the background on um, on on the book really. Yeah. Um, si- since I since I retired, I've, I've worked as a volunteer advocate with um, adults with a learning disability. Now that that takes me into day centres. Um, I also run a, a help to run a, a drop in service for. Um, Again, adults with a learning disability who might need help with a particular issue. Okay. And I, I visit people in their homes. And 
after I've been doing it for two or three years, it occurred to me that an awful lot of the people that I was meeting seemed poor, you know, to put it in, in, in layman's terms. Okay. And I, I was interested to find out if that initial impression what was borne out by more precise analysis. So that, hence the idea for the book. And I, I focused on, on five people in particular yes. as the basis for the, you know, the case studies which you've read. Yeah. Um, that, that there were other people that I refer to in the book as well. And what, what in, in talking to them yeah, and to depending on their circumstances, their families or their support workers or the day centers or whatever, I was able to build up a precise picture of, well, first of all, what their lives were like, and secondly, what their financial circumstances sure, were. Sure. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you remember from looking at the book, um, I've, I've got um, precise tables which show, well, how much money they have coming in, and then exactly where the money goes out in terms of, for example, housing, um, yeah, yeah. electricity, and so on. And I, I, I approached it in that way because I, I, I've read one or two um, pieces about people who are on benefits, uh, not necessarily with a learning disability, but equally people with a learning disability as well. Yes. And I, I felt that it would be quite easy for a skeptic just to dismiss the points made because it might seem a little bit anecdotal. Yeah. And I, I felt if I was able to to give a comprehensive picture of what someone's life was like and what the money was they had coming in and where it went, it would be very hard for a skeptic to look at it and say, well, yeah, they, they, they might be short of a, um, some money in the second week of the month, but we don't know what they've blown their money on in the first yeah, week. Yeah. I think for, for me, the, 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 the subjective bits that you attach to those tables re really flesh out, fleshes out the story. Um, and I, I think that, that uh, for me, you know, as a reader, that added a, a lot more value to it. I understand that you, you know, you you were sort of talking to, talking to your cynics, the cynics there. But for me, the, you know, actually hearing about people's lives, it really made it real for me. Well, well I, I'm I'm glad that's the case because that that was certainly what I was was hoping to do. Um, you know, I didn't for a second want it to be a, a dry. Um, yeah statistical analysis because the, the the bulk of the book does look at the way these people live uh you know the, the problems that they encounter um and the the among the conclusions that i reach is is you know the, the simple point that the the way they have to lead their lives simply is not fair um mm. They are um, that they are often that the among the first targets, I think, because they're not able to speak up for themselves. Often, they're an easy target. That, that, that's right. Yeah, and that they 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 don't in. I, I think there's a, an assumption from some people, perhaps, that someone with a learning disability always has support, and that's not the case. Even if they do have support, they've um, they, they've got real struggles. 
um, with any number of aspects of their lives. Yeah, it's. it's uh, I mean, I it's, it's stunning, and, and you know, I've I've been at this for a long time, but I, yeah, after putting your your book down, I, I did feel that that surge of of anger and righteous indignation. Um, you you talked earlier uh, about them them being poor, and the thing that jumped out for me is it, it doesn't feel that like it's just these people aren't just financially poor. No, no, no that, that's right. I mean, the the um, in terms of in terms of their quality of quality of life, uh, there, there are a range of things that they are lacking. Um, for, I, I think perhaps the one that stood out for me most. I don't know what your reaction was. Was the the the, the social isolation? Yes. Um, that the fact that that the in almost in almost all of the five case studies that they simply don't have the friends that um, you and I would take for granted. Um, in in some instances, they've got what you term acquaintances, people that they will that they will nod to and pass the time of day with. But you, you might remember in the book one um, one of the men there, Thomas, um, who has Down syndrome. Uh, probably the second or third meeting with me. Um, he came out with the the comment, "Oh, you could be a friend." Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, which to me was so so revealing of the, the fact that he he felt himself to be you know to be isolated. How did that make you feel? Um, principally, I suppose, sorry for him um, yeah, yeah. that that he was he was in that situation. I mean, I I, I think I've. I have gone on to be a friend, which is, um, you know, what what you, what I think anyone with a, a you know, a conscience or a heart would do in those circumstances. Sure. Um, he, he's the. Per- I mean, he 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 just loves playing um, pitch and putt golf, and ah, so right. about every every two or three months, we we just go and have, um, you know, a, a round of. Twelve holes, and then right. we, uh, and then we have lunch afterwards. So, uh, and we, we we've got a, a good routine where one he, he'll he'll pay for the golf for both of us, and then I pay for lunch, and then we reverse it the next time. And, perfect, uh, perfect. Yeah, because I, I I think that I mean I, I I must be short. I must be careful not to meander off too much here. But um, the. The, the the role I have is as an advocate. Yes. Then, if if you looked at definition of roles, you get some people who are befrienders, um, and I I think it's sometimes too glib a distinction between the two that's made. Um, you know, you you, you often, there are occasions where you just come in as advocate and sort out an issue, and then you you go. But very yes. often, yes, yes. Um, if if you get if you get to know someone well as a friend, um, you, you you can anticipate problems rather than finding yourself being brought in, you know, at, at a crisis point with with someone with whom you haven't struck up a relationship. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you say you you started uh, work, working as an advocate in this uh, a few years ago. What was this? Did this come as a surprise? What was going on to you? Uh, 
Yes, I, I think it... Well, I, I think the extent of the problem came as a surprise. Um, you know, I was... If, if I just explain my motivation for doing it, I mean, I, of course, I, of course. I, I, after I retired, I, I felt, um, you know, I'd, I'd worked as a teacher for, well, well, a teacher or a lecturer for all my, <clears throat> all my working career. Um, and for the first couple of years, I just enjoyed having no commitments whatsoever. Um, but then after a couple of years, I thought, well, I know I'd, I'd actually like to do something um, that, that stretches me a bit. Yeah. And I started looking around for something that was broadly in this area, and I, I really had no exact, no no clear idea of 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 what it would entail. And as I say, that the, the more I, the the more of the volunteering I did, the 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 more I became aware of the problems that were. I mean, it, you, you were a social worker in the past, I think. That's you? right. That's absolutely yeah. right. Yes. And yes. I mean, I don't know if 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 your experience tallies with mine, I know it's, it's obviously a different, different sphere, but I, I found initially I was asked to, um, work with someone whose, whose case might have been a relatively simple one to deal with. Yeah. And once that was dealt with, uh, someone would ask me, Oh, well, you know, you, you dealt with so-and-so. Is there any chance you could deal, uh, have a look at this person who's, and then the, the the problem that they had was explained, and e- each time the, the problem more or less seemed to get more complex. And so yes, it was a yes. question of, of, of steadily um, unraveling um, the, the the scale of the problems that people were encountering. Does does that make sense? Oh, it does. Uh, as a, a social worker, I, I became a practice teacher. Basically, I I, I taught. Uh, social work students on placement and one of the things we were very keen to say to people is look beyond the presenting problem because very often the presenting problem is just the tip of the iceberg and it sounds like that's kind of what what's been going on for you you you're presented with a bill and then you sort of unravel you think oh financially it's worlds in bits oh my goodness he his social world he he has no contact no meaningful contact with the outside world either, yes. and and it, it sounds it sounds very social workery if that's a word. Uh, what is what you're doing? And um, it, I don't know. It's 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 a challenge when you're getting paid for it, but it, you know it's, it's fantastic that you're doing this. Yeah. Well, well, well I mean, when you say it's social social workery, that's a lovely adjective, and uh, <laughs> I, I know completely what you mean. I, I think you see that. Um, I think that may well be the case with a lot of people who are volunteering at the moment, because yes. I'm sure you're aware that, that there is huge pressure on adult social care, on the number of social yeah. workers there yeah. are. Um, if I give you one instance, this is not of someone in the in the book. Yeah. Um, a day centre asked me, this is about two years ago, to to get involved with someone who had a whole range of problems um, and the most recent manifestation of that was self-harm which had hospitalized him right uh, he was um, in he, he was 
he had been referred to a number of different agencies. You know, the the um, the, the the counties um, psychologist service, um, occupational therapy. There were three, two or three others as well. But it it was like cars queuing at a roundabout, each right. waiting for the other. Um, and so it had a complete logjam. And the one was saying, well, I, I, I can't do anything until I hear from this person. And the what the, the day centre said, look, we need to get a social worker in to actually pull all this together. Because to manage it. it. Yeah. yeah, that's right, to, to manage the situation. But at the day, day centre, I'm... I'm I'm sure you're aware how much time it can take to get through to adult social care. Yes. yes. Um, that they said we can't do it. Could you could you take this on? Um, and you know because I'm retired and a volunteer, I said yeah, I, I can do that. And I, I sat at home and for um, I suppose a day and a half, I I rang adult social care at about hourly intervals. Right, um, and I, I basically plague the living daylights out of them. Well done. That's you know, that's the, that's the tragedy. Is uh, I remember speaking to a manager of mine saying, you know, we, we're we're not serving the most vulnerable people. We're serving the people who make the most noise. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and 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 clearly, you understood that very early on. Yes, that's right. Um, and. Uh, you, you, your, your your comment there is is dead right about about noise because there are just so many people who haven't got either the ability to make the noise themselves yes, or yes. or someone who can make the noise for them. But but with that particular case, was uh, we we managed to get a social worker social worker assigned to the case. She was absolutely brilliant. Right, um, over a six month period, um, worked with the person concerned very carefully pulled everything together but then at, towards the end of that period where it looked as though everything was sorted she was reassigned um to another area of work yes uh, yeah handled that ending of the case very professionally and because it looked as though everything was wrapped up um she said well we won't actually need to have another social worker um assigned to this because basically everything's in place well I, again i can't go into the detail but but two or three things did then fall apart right right and i basically carried on um picking up the pieces and coordinate because I, I felt i knew where the bits yeah, and yeah. were by this point and so when um is this a, a a long rambling answer to your point no not at all no i think it's being social workery, but but it, it, yeah. it, 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 it i think there are points now where people in the voluntary sector are doing um some of the work that in the past a social worker would have done certainly in in the past uh in in scotland uh you know, as a senior social worker, I would have allocated a worker to a case. The worker would have done a piece of work, which which I would have tried to ensure that they would uh, be looking at all aspects of a person's life. They would complete that. And then um, we would have a review system whereby the per- we would have an agreed review date for six months or 12 months or 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 three weeks or or whatever but we would we would have a definite review date for people Mm. to look forward to also we had a duty system where people can phone up the the social work department and say you know you're known to us this case is falling apart for these reasons 
can you look at either somebody visiting us soon on duty or a reallocation of a social worker? So mm-hmm. it felt it felt like it, but this is ten years ago. Um, you know, it, it felt like we had those bases covered. But it sounds like in a lot of cases, social work departments kind of fire and forget. You know, they sort of do some work and then, you know, it's, it's difficult to get your toe back in the door again. Is is that? Yeah kind of what you're experiencing i i i think i think so yes um and i mean you, you would know far more about this than i do but it that also the trend towards appointing case coordinators um who and the the people that i've dealt with have been absolutely fine but it does seem to me that they're uh, they're operating at a different level from the level that a social worker would operate at Yes, I mean, it, to me, it, 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 it's, it's brilliant that you're doing that job, <coughs> but it's astonishing that you're not getting paid what social workers get paid for doing it, you know? Well, yeah, yes, but I mean, I, I mean, on the, I mean, it's very, very nice of you to say that, but I mean, the, 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 the advantage, of course, of doing it as a, a as a, a volunteer is that I, I can, to some extent, pick and choose. Sure, I mean, sure. it, it's it's quite. Having said that, it's quite difficult um, because you know I, I've like most of us, I've got a conscience. Yes, but I am having to turn people away. Yes, uh, which doesn't sit sit easily with me. But if could I could I just explain the advocacy situation? Yeah, in? please do. Um, the you have a um, a special a specialist advocacy service, so, so people who have training at a higher level than I that, than I have, yes, um, and who are excellent at what they do. But that team is um, the contract for that is issued by the council, um, and the the council itself determines the cases that goes to them. So the if if you like what what um, a particular group or committee perceive as being the priority cases go through you know to that um, to that advocacy service. Yes. So it, it, if that that is if you like uh, I, I can't give you figures, but that's a, a relatively small percentage of the people who have a learning disability who might need. Um, advocacy and the the organization that I volunteer for Cornwall advocacy when it was set up it operated on an open door policy right, right. So, so, so that if 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 you or your family or a care or your day center perceived that, that you know that there was a need for advocacy you, you filled in a form or phoned and got someone to fill in a okay. form okay. and then you you you, you got the advocate obviously not immediately because um, yeah. there's always a delay now that sort of open door advocacy in the whole county. Um, well, Cornwall Advocacy does have um, one project that is funded by the council, which is for parents who themselves have a learning disability. Um, other than that, the council funding has stopped. So the, the charity is working on you know, uh, a, a, a small residue of money yes. that, that is left from previous years. Um, the to- it, 
I, I work as a volunteer. I've got a colleague who works as a volunteer but who has been ill for six months. And the the person who runs the charity, she does some voluntary work as well. That that is that that is it for the whole county. Wow. Now if, if you if you think of the scale of the problems. Yes, yes. Um and you, you can see why I say, I mean, I, 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 I estimate that what I do is about 15 or 20 hours a week, something like that. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I do that just for, you know, you because know, I am retired and to have a, a reasonable balance to my life, if you like. Um, but so that's why I, I do end up turning people away. And it, it's done, um, you know, with a huge amount of regret. But uh, I can imagine. Yeah. it's not so you can you, you can't say, oh, well, I can't do it. But here's someone who can because yes. there is someone who can. As a social worker, uh, I would receive regular supervision. Uh, sometimes it was good, sometimes it was bad. But the, the, the you know, the mechanism was in place for me to be supported with what work I was accepting, what work, what the impact that work was having on me, both as a professional and psychologically. Um, do you get any of that? Uh, no, 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 absolutely none. Um, and although I, I'm working, you know, I, I do have an organisation which pro- provides me with two people that I can contact for advice. And it also provides me with, you know, insurance and, you know, et cetera, those, those things, if anything, if anything went wrong. Um, certainly no supervision, no. So I imagine there's a lot of sort of psychological frustrations that come away, you come away with after you've been working with somebody. Where does that go? Uh, oh, good question. Um, <laughs> well, well it, it's... It it depends depends really on the on the on the circumstances. Um, I, I think I mean you you could probably relate to this from your your time working as a social worker. The yes. the, the, the the workload is is not um, a, you know a consistent horizontal line. You get you get a sudden surge. So for example, I will I'll, I'll have someone who's um, who has a benefits problem, um, who has their application turned down, that comes in. Five minutes later, someone I'm already working with, similar problem, day centre contacts me all, all in the same day. And I'm starting to think, hey, hang on, I'm not yes. sure I can manage all this at the same time. And then I'll have two or three days where, you know, the phone's quiet, I don't hear anyone. I think in terms of, of managing it, the... The, the, the day centres are a, an absolutely huge help, right, um, right. because I, I, I suppose in terms of in terms of support, um, that 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 is where I get a huge chunk of the support that I that, that I feel I receive. Um, you know, it's partly partly moral support. You know, yes, when, when people yes. say, look, look, "Look, we're delighted," you know, that you're that, that you've done this, but also. Can I can I give you another example? Please do. Please um, I've only had one full blown universal credit problem to deal with because um, in 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 Cornwall, well the 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 rollout, the lovely term they use, has yes. been ha- has been later than elsewhere, and <clears throat> I had 
one instance over the last eight or nine months to deal with, with again, a man with a, a learning disability at one of the day centres that, that I go to. Um, and the day centre contacted me to, to say, well, in essence, that we don't know what's going on, but um, the person concerned had brought in a letter saying that his housing benefit had stopped altogether. Now, it it turns out that the the reason the housing benefit had stopped was that um, someone someone he knew had suggested to him that it would be a good idea to apply for universal credit. Um, yes. You know, I'm reluctant to call him a friend because a friend wouldn't wouldn't give him that advice. But anyway, he 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 started the application and he completed the first two stages which took him up to the point where he had produced the identification and so on and then you know we're not absolutely sure he either didn't understand what he needed to do to, to go any further or um he thought better of it and thought no well i'm not going to do this anyway no. um but as you probably know that the mo the moment you are on universal credits books any other benefits stop that's right uh, and so he lost his housing benefit. He lost the tax credits that he was previously receiving because he, although he has a learning disability, he does a small amount of um, cleaning work at the day okay. centre itself. Um, so, you know, I was, I was brought in at that point. Well, you know, to cut a very long story short, um, what, what I was, I, I worked out that the, the only way of, of, making some sort of improvement in his situation was to complete the application for universal credit because you cannot you can't go back no, um, no. once you're in the abyss <laughs> that, that's right yeah there, 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 there are no footholds out of the abyss at all no. um so we, we went through a, a lengthy process of taking him backwards and forwards to the to the to the local job center who and and you know, I, I have to put in a bit of a plug here for the people who I've encountered at our local job centres because they are exceptionally helpful. Right. Um, you know, I, I know in, in some areas um, you get a picture of people in job centres being like unfeeling arms of the WP. That's not been my experience. But anyway, so, so we, we went backwards and forwards, reinstated his, or, or didn't reinstate, you had to start a new application. So, okay. so, so got universal credit in place for him. Um, then um, went through a process where you could get a month's backdating, which we managed to do. Right. Then found ourselves, found himself still with a three-month period where, which Universal Credit weren't covering, and which, uh, for which he'd lost the housing benefit that he previously had. So and that's he, a huge amount of money. That that's right. Um, well, I then managed to track down a, a a local a local charity that is basically set up to um, help the homeless. That that charity. Um, were great to work with, and again, cutting a long story short, that, that they managed to come up with the money to clear that debt. Um, but the, the the net result of it is that this person is left on universal credit, significantly worse off than he would have been if he'd never actually started the whole process. You know, so we've cleared the debts, but on a 
a weekly or monthly basis he's worse off but you know i'm sure i'm sure you're aware and, and th this is where the link with the job with the day center comes in i'm sure you're aware that universal credit everything is done online yes now i mean for anyone that can be a problem for someone with a learning disability it is a massive problem yes and the the only the only the only way i i could I could work out that we could do it was working with the with the day center you know as a team if you like with a couple of staff there that okay forgive me if I'm telling you and your listeners what you know already but but universal credit set up a um, a system where you get a text to your mobile telling you there's a message on your universal credit account that you need right. to look at which of course that message could say that you need to attend the job center by this friday if you don't you're going to be sanctioned you know that, yes. that that's that's possibly there so we've got to have something watertight here so we we've set up a system where the person concerned the moment he gets a text message he may not be clear what the text message is is about but he shows it to the person in the day center together they log on to the account they then check what the message is if, if it's a big issue they get back to me if it's a routine matter they deal with it themselves um and that that that's the sort of supportive cooperative working that helps a lot otherwise you know i would feel i was very much working in isolation you know just as a as a one-man band it, it just sounds like the Department of Work and Pension Job Centre Plus, they've outsourced responsibility that, you know, that, that people are picking up the work that they're supposed to be doing. Uh, you know, you know, in my ideal happy, clappy world, I, I, I think that it was their job to ensure that the people, that the right people were getting the right amount of money, that, that they were getting all the benefits to which they were entitled. Yeah. And, and, and that workers would, 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 would chase that up. Whereas it, it seems to be the other way. It, it's it's almost like it's you know universal credit is a gift and they're, and they're protecting it jealously uh, like some kind of bizarre sort of fiefdom. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I think I think you're right there. I mean, I, I I would make the distinction I hinted at earlier that I, I have found people at uh, yeah. at local level very good. It's the system that they have to work under. Yes, yes. That I think is particularly pernicious, um, uh, and uh, I mean it, it goes. It, it's got so many, so many threads to it. Um, I mean, again, I, 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 I keep saying I'm not sure if I'm telling you what you know already, but no, I think, no, carry on. I'm sure, some of your listeners may not may not know. Yeah, um, absolutely. The if if you just and. Just just putting universal credit to one side because you've got separate problems there because it, it it is it is working online. If you if you take other benefits like PIP or um, employ so personal independence payment or yes. ESA uh, employment and support allowance, yes. the the, uh, the 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 process to actually get one of those benefits for someone who doesn't have a learning disability is very difficult. Yeah. 
for, for someone who does have a learning disability, it is absolutely horrendous. If, if you take you take stage one, um, the person concerned gets a letter, which if, if you take PIP, you, you know that PIP is replacing disability living. Disab- yes, yes. Yeah. So the the letter normally is headed, your DLA is ending. Now, wow. it, it, even if, if, if someone can... Um, can read and understand that it's ambiguous. Um, it, you know, I've had people who've who've shown it to me as evidence of the fact they're not getting money anymore. Because if someone says your DLA is ending, that's one way of interpreting it. Well, it's the way of interpreting it. Yeah. You know, and, unless you, you you know how this works. That, that, that's right. Um, so so you that that first stage is to get a letter, which. It, they, they they do a reasonable job of um, I- explaining what the letter is about subsequently, but because they have to cover every base, it, it's lengthier um, than really anyone I, I've encountered who has a learning disability could actually cope with. Sure. So, so at that at that very first stage, for a lot of people, if they don't have support, and again, there's assumption that people have support, and there are a lot of people who don't, then that letter either goes in a bin or goes in a pile yeah, yeah. and gets neglected. And typically, and, and I should say that that letter, all that letter is doing is inviting you to make a phone call to get a form to apply for PIP. Yes. Now, if if you the the person concerned these people are already on the DWP's books yes yes so why not short circuit the process just send um the form but no they don't do that and so the the initial letter typically it gives you 28 days in which to respond well if if it hasn't been understood then the response isn't in time you, you've then got the phone call and you know i i've done uh, quite a few of these, and it probably takes about somewhere between forty minutes and an hour. That this is so that you have the form sent to you, and that's because you go through. Well, you know what it's like if you go through a switchboard. You've got a range of options. You've got to choose option yeah, one. Yeah. And I, I've had people who've said to me, "Well, uh, I, I'm glad you've done it." I couldn't have done it. I would just have slammed the phone down. Yes, yes. Um, and I, I think I, my wife won't mind me mentioning it. I mean, she hasn't got a learning disability, but she's in the same category. You know, <laughs> right. gets, but gets batted from one, um, you know, from one set of options to another. So, so you, you hurdle one, the letter is sent. Hurdle two, you've got the phone call. At each of these stages, people are dropping out. And, and you you feel that's what the system's all about. It's doing what the system is meant to do. Is trying to get people to drop out. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think. Well, well. I, I. Otherwise, I. I cannot see why. For example, at the start, you have this, um, this creation of of an additional stage. Yeah. Instead of just sending the form direct to the person concerned that you have to go through preliminary hurdles. And, you know, I'm sure people are cut out at those uh, at those points. And then, of course, the form itself arrives. And in the case of PIP, it, it's 33 pages long. Um, and I've seen 
it, it's 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 well set out with guidance as to how you complete it. But you can imagine for someone with a learning disability, a 33-page form. I mean, they're, they're not going to get anywhere near it. Um, and I think because of the complexity, it, it has lots of boxes to tick. And it's asking you, for instance, to say um, if you need um, assistance in preparing food. And it, it makes almost everything a binary choice, yes or no. Yes. Um, yeah. now, there, there are no grey areas. No. Um, but you then have... The, the, the grey areas that they, in fairness to them, they then provide, you know, a, a blank sheet normally on the facing page yes. where you can put in the grey areas. Yes. But you, you know as well as I do that if someone with a learning disability tried to fill in the form on his or her own, all he would do is tick the boxes, you know, the, yeah. the yes or no yeah. that applies. And, I mean, I, you might remember one of the... Um, one of the cases in the book, a man who I call Danny in the book, who has um, horrendous experience um, at an assessment for employment and support allowance. He's someone who had a um, a brain injury from a a, a, a motorcycle accident yes, yes. over five years ago, and as a result of the assessment he was given, he was deemed fit for work, and they took his employment and support allowance away. Now, in 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 his case, and I mean it's a it's a nice irony you phoned up at this time. Um, he he's again going through not the ESA process this time, but the DLA to PIP conversion process. Sure, sure. Um, and I I just went uh, went with him last um, last week to his PIP assessment, but the. The, the thing in, in preparing his form, the thing that I kept plugging to him and to his um, his family was we needed to find what you very accurately describe as the grey areas. Um, and so, for example, there's a point where you'll be asked the distance you can walk and, and you're, you're asked to tick a, a choice of boxes. Yeah, yeah. And the, the one that is true for this man is... Um, over 200 meters, which is basically the, if you can walk that distance, that, that is almost like a, a, a red light showing on the floor. Yes, yeah, uh, it doesn't take into account any yeah, you know, gray areas. Yes, no. Karen, sorry. Yeah, and, and and so and so in his case, you know, we we. You, in the on on the accompanying page, we we clarified the fact that he because of you know all the effects of the the, the long lasting effects of the brain injury. He can manage to walk pretty well first thing in the morning, but not as the day wears on. Right, right. But first thing in the morning, the walk he makes is downhill to the bus from where he then goes into the day centre. He can't do the walk uphill. He can't do um, he can't do the walk if the surface is you know unreliable or uneven, and you start to build up all these grey areas um, that undermine the simple proposition. Oh yes, he can just walk two hundred meters. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. So sorry, I'm, I'm I'm going off on a tangent again. No, no, good tangent. But so, so you 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 have you you have the the, the, the form. It's so, so that the, the the next the next hurdle for anyone 
that's set up by the DWP is the um, is the form itself. Then, quite often, um, the reply comes back or the decision comes back that um, you're not getting enough for an award, be it PIP or ESA and so on. So you then have to go to a mandatory reconsideration stage yes. where you have to put in your arguments um, against the decision that you've um, that you've received. Now, again, if if you if if you're on your own, that there's no way you're going to cope with that. Um, this, this is impossible for people with a loan disability who have no support. Uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you're, you're dead right. And then if you if you think it's impossible for someone who doesn't have support, if someone has support now in in lots of cases of course you've got very good support from family um but the the support from the family may be extremely good in helping with things like the um you know any any cooking or practical things that that has to do with the person's living they may not be so good at looking at a form and thinking, yeah. well, hang on, they've said this, how do I challenge these points that have been made? Um, yeah, so, so you've, you've got, that's hopeless. And then at mandatory reconsideration, very often, you know, it seems to me they just bat the decision back. So you, you'll get, um, there, there are cases where it's overturned at that stage. I mean, But, they, but really it's a rubber stamping uh, procedure this isn't it though it does it does seem to be in in several cases if you if, if you are able to really up the up the ante if you like yeah um, so, so for example in the case of Danny in the book at the at the initial application stage no criticism of the family but I, I don't think the form brought out all the grey areas. Sure. It sure. also didn't have all the supporting evidence that it could. Now, when we it was brought to me at, at the mandatory reconsideration stage, we were able to get um, medical evidence, evidence from a chiropractor, evidence from you know the day centre and so right. on, right. because there was a whole wadge of new information that I think they would have found it very hard to argue against. They, yes. they, they, they gave in at that stage. But, but very often, if you don't have anything new, and if, if, I, give you, if I give you one, well, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's so grotesque, it makes, me, it makes me angry. Again, it's not someone in the book. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's someone who uh, really can barely read anything more than his own name. And... Uh, if 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 he received a letter, he can he can read the date. I mean, there's always going to be a slight doubt. For example, if 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 he was trying to find a letter for me, um, he might get a letter that's dated 2019 mixed up with one that's dated 2018. But yes. yeah, that that is roughly the level of his reading ability. He um, he was turned down for Pitt, given. Um, no points in both the the two main areas: daily living and mobility. Do I need to spell those out? Or 
Yeah, do do. Well, the 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 mobility level is what it uh, area is what it suggests. It, it it covers obviously your your physical ability to move around on your on your two legs, um, or if it's a wheelchair and and so yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it also in, concerns your ability to to plan a route. Um, for example, so if, if if you can reliably get yourself from your home to a shop or you know to the doctor's surgery or whatever, yes. it also covers your ability to um, plan an unfamiliar route. So if, for example, you had an appointment in Truro, um, which you know for it is central Cornwall, and if it's somewhere you haven't been before, would you be able to get there? Yeah. So, yeah. so mobility is one area. The other area is daily living, and that covers. A much wider range of things. It's um, toileting, cooking, managing your food, and then uh, things like reading and understanding, um, oral, verbal communication, managing a budget. So, and I mean, there are other areas as well. So that that's much more wide ranging. So you've got the two main areas. This man received no points in both areas. Mobility, wow. And uh, you know. I, you know, I won't go into all his circumstances, but remember, this is someone who who simply can't read. The, the so was this after an interview? They, they, yeah, he had an interview, and somebody yeah, had yeah. sat opposite him. That's right, and and decided that he had no points. Well, that's, that's remarkable. Yeah, it, it is. But I think you see, this to me is another. There's another flaw in the process. I I I, th I think it is made deliberately impersonal. Yes, um, because the, the the person who who um, interviews you at the assessment, I, have you have you seen I Daniel Blake? Yes, yes, um, and, and I've experienced these interviews too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right, sorry, yeah. yes, but yeah. I, I was the the I, I remember the point where he um, rants on about the term the terms health professional and decision maker. Yes. Um, yes. And you see the health, the, the the health professional who is seen is the, the person who conducts the interview. It might be a a, a physio um, or or a nurse, and so all, all very good in their particular areas, but yes. they're, they're not um, they're not qualified doctors. So the face to face contact is is with someone like that. They don't make any. Um, decisions on the number of points that the person gets all they do is record what they find or the answers that they are given at the interview yes and then from there they send everything through to an anonymous decision maker who has never seen the person concerned so in other words it's a it it's a, a filter that for me is working to preserve anonymity yeah and is also making um an accurate decision less likely or, or a a, a favorable decision for the um for the person being interviewed to go back to danny his his pip interview last week the woman who conducted it seemed absolutely fine and fair yeah. she was she was recording things very carefully um, as she went through and I was able to chip in and so on. 
And normally it takes about an hour. In his case, it was an hour and a half. And most of the last 10 minutes, he was in tears. And uh, that is because the the, the pressure of so many questions being asked. And I think the underlying um, sense of humiliation, despite the fact that the woman was very kind in the way she dealt with him, but having to go through that process, I think, that there was an element of degradation there that 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 caused the upset. Now, if she had been making the decision, I I think the the tears at the end would have been a factor in yes. the decision yes. she arrived at. I suspect in her report there is no reference to the tears. I, I suspect you're right. Yeah. Yeah, because the bo- I, I don't think the boxes allowed for that, and so that that to me is an example of where. A decision is made further up the line in an anonymous way by by someone who hasn't who hasn't seen it at all. Um, but I, I'm again I keep digressing, but I, I, I hope it's interesting. No, no, I'm, I'm on this. Yeah, this is great. But then you, you see, I, I, met, I mentioned the, the I, I started by talking about the 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 man who who'd been given who who could barely read at all who'd been yes. given who'd been given no points at, at the initial application stage no points for both again at the mandatory reconsideration stage yeah. even though that that was the point where I was brought in and I added a lot of um, a lot of detail on grey areas um, and. I tend to focus, I've got a copy of the criteria they use for deciding how to award sure. points, you know, so that it, it's homing in on what's needed. And again, decisions exactly the same, no points in both areas. So then the next stage is the tribunal. Um, now, in in the case of this person, that tribunal was a a year and one month after the initial decision. Okay. Which means that for that whole period, you know, the person concerned hasn't had that money. Um, so you, you have had huge hardship over that. Yes, period. yes. Um, and picking up the thread from earlier about the difficulty for someone with a learning disability, if 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 someone with a learning disability somehow has managed to clear all the hurdles that go before, and is still game to have a go at a tribunal. If they don't have support, the tribunal is in the magistrate's court. Right, gosh, that's so that that that's really a, a threatening environment for, for yeah. many. Yeah, and on on one on on I've only been been to two tribunals, and on both occasions, you are you are well. The first stage is quite intimidating. You have to go through security, which is. It is lighter than you would at an airport, but you can imagine the sort of security. Yes. They, they check yeah. it, you know, that you're not bringing in, you know, an offensive weapon or whatever. Um, you are then met by someone who is um, very, um, very, well, is concerned to put you at your ease, if you like. Okay. Um, and each time we'll say something like, this is... Um, 
th- th- these are courts where criminal offences are heard, but you're not here for a criminal offence. And yes. that, that is emphasised. So, and the, and the person last time, the case I was referring to, was extremely helpful and you know very good in the way in which he explained everything to us and so on. And as far as he could, he set people's minds at rest. But at the previous occasion, there were... Also in the waiting area, there were four young blokes, and I'm not stereotyping them. They're in the <laughs> in the twenty to twenty five age range. Yes, who were who were almost certainly waiting for a criminal hearing. Who thought the whole thing was a big joke? I'm not sure they they hadn't already had some drink in them and so right, on. Right. Okay. Um, so you can picture the environment. It's it, it's not it's, even though they make the effort. There's there's a it, it can't help but be daunting. Yeah, it's, it's not conducive to, I don't know, uh, a fair and reasonable sort of process. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and I mean, I, I, I don't know enough about it to know if, that, if this has always been the case. I don't know if it's just in recent years, for I presume for cost reasons, that everything is done in one centre. You know, I, can't, I can't really help on that. But. Do you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back as a social worker, you know, the... the the, the stages, it, it was a long time before you got to court. And basically, you know, in all, in all my terms, 20 years as a social worker, and I would help people with uh, applications for, for benefits. And, um, yeah, we never got to court, ever. <laughs> no, no. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, no, carry on. Yeah, so it, it, it was, that, that just feels bizarre and also incredibly expensive. Yeah. Uh, do people have uh, access to legal representation? No, no. Um, if if, um, if I, I, you you might have a chance of getting legal representation, I suppose, but but only if if you you know, and this is laughably impossible if if you had the money to to pay for it. Um, <laughs> you know, the idea of, of someone who's been without a benefit for a year. Having the money to pay for legal representation, you know, just is uh, what bizarre it, vortex it, is yeah, that? Yeah, but so, so I mean, on 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 this occasion, I, you know, am in effect the legal representation. Yes, yes. It, 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 obviously, not professionally trained or anything. And we 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 went went into the the, the tribunal hearing and. Again, for reasons of confidentiality, I probably shouldn't give the the number of points. But after, it it didn't take that long. The the, the judge, because it, you know it's a a a proper judge, if you like, yeah, yeah. There, with two other specialists. One who is a a, a medical specialist, a doctor, yes. and one who is um, a special needs stroke disability specialist. So you've got three of them there, and in the the last ten ten minutes of the of the hearing, we, we they'd asked a lot of questions for about forty forty five minutes. Um, the 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 judge turned to us and said, "Well, I, I I don't think we need to ask any more questions. We really covered everything that we um, have to have to ask." And you know, I came I'd come in at several points previously, and I I said, "Well, um, I." I, I had my checklist of, of points that I wanted to make sure were brought across and I had five or six areas still to cover. And I, you know, I said, I explained that and the judge said, well, um, Mr. Carpenter, you, you are, um, 
you're more than welcome to make those points if you could make them briefly, because I think we've got the picture. Um, and I, I took that as a fairly clear nod. So I, I yes, yes, I would have. Yeah, and I, I, I made the points briefly. Now, I, I, the 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 result, and it came through very quickly. It, it's a bit like I'm, I'm sure you've had the that experience of being interviewed for a job where you sit outside yes. after the interview and you, you wait for the outcome. And th- th- this is very much a similar thing where you're waiting for, you know, to be called back in for the decision. And the decision in this case was that for daily living, uh, the man was given a very high number of points. Um, again, I better not give the exact number. Okay. Uh, a, a very high number of points, which didn't just give him the basic award, but it gave him the enhanced award. Yes. Um, and for mobility, he was given the number of points that would give him the the basic award. Right. Um, and I've mentioned mentioned that for two reasons. What one of which is to show the the crassness of the system. That how how at a at the tribunal stage. He got no like points. Pardon? Yes. He'd got no points, and then suddenly, yes, had, I, had, I, yeah, had, had jumped so high. But then also, you know, to highlight, as as you said, the extreme difficulty for someone like a for someone with a learning disability having to tackle that on his own. Um, and I, I think. You mentioned the the cost. I mean, this is another factor, and I've never been able to find um, a breakdown of the costs involved. But it it appears from about two thousand and I think two thousand and fourteen onwards, I've been able to trace figures which show that um, as near as damn it, seventy percent of the Cases that are taken tri- to tribunal are overturned. Seventy percent. That was the, that's the figure I found. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the 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 first thing there, if um, probably using a um, a factory production line analogy isn't appropriate, but if you if you had a firm, uh, you know, a company like Ford that was producing cars. And seven out of every ten that came off the production <laughs> line, the wheels fell off. Yes, yeah. Uh, no, um, now that's a good description. <laughs> yeah, that then the, the the company would be out of business um, in 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 no time at all, and yet this this model persists. Now, the, as far as costs are concerned, the the costs of the bureaucracy, you know. All of those stages, you know, the application, the mandatory reconsideration, the tribunal, if it gets that far, the the, the, the three people at, at the hearing um, are all highly experienced, highly qualified people whose whose time is going to cost yes. you know, a fair bit. Um, the the pack of material that comes in in each case, it was around the 140 to 150 pages um, mark. So. They have to be given lengthy reading time. Um, you've then got the preparation time of all the material. Um, you work it all the way back. It must be exceptionally expensive. Now, the only conclusion that I can reach is that that total expenditure is less than 
the money which they save by people dropping out of the system. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 I can't comment on that. I, 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 the, I think the the feeling that there is a punitive system, and that, that you know, you know, a cynic would say that they'll go to any any expense just to punish people and to scare people into not yeah. not applying, not going through the process because it is so so awful. Yes, I, I think I, I think that's that's the that's the conclusion that I've reached, and uh, it, it's what, what, one of one of these points I made in the in the book. I think um, had an, another instance. The, the tribunals in question were not ones that I attended. They were attended by a colleague over you know the last ten or fifteen years or so. But it, it's someone who who's twice gone to a tribunal had. Um, you know, the decision went in that person's favour, uh, and then, lo and behold, you find five years later the whole process starts again. Uh, yes, I mean this is the laughable thing. This is information they already have. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, and with people with learning disabilities, that that's not going to change. No, yeah, absolutely, absolutely right. Um, and yet, despite the fact that it's not going to change, and despite the fact that it's already been tested so thoroughly um, through the system, taken all the way to a tribunal, not just once, but twice, they come back and start again. Um, and, uh, I mean, the, the, the instance of, of Danny in the book, you know, I've mentioned already that I've just, um, he, I've just helped, him, helped him through the, you know, the PIP process, with the interview last week, the the um, ESA um, mandatory reconsideration decision described in the book was September 2016. Right. Uh, that means that in September of this year, he will go through the whole process again. Astonishing. Um, and it, it's, I'm not for a second expecting you to remember the detail of the book, but it, he he is now at the age where the neurosurgeon who um, was responsible for his treatment predicted that his health would start to deteriorate. Right. And yet despite that, um, you know, he's put through these cruel hoops um, over and over again. The stress must be massive for folk. It, it is. Um, it is, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure you've had your, your own experience of that. Yes, I, I mean, I just, you know, I've supported endless people through through this, and you just think, you know, it's, you know, um, I've, I've heard radio shows where people have said, oh, you know, well, you know, how stressful can filling a form out be? And and the thing is, it's not just about filling out a form. It's it's you know the 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 guy you you described who'd who'd lost three months of housing benefit. You know what what's what's the next step? The next step is they lose the home. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And and then they're they're on the street, and and you know the whole life un, unravels. And this is a and and that's you know. That's the system, you know, without people running around trying to catch the bits that fall through the net. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I'm sure that this happens on a, on a daily 
faces. I mean, I, I've got a lot of followers on Twitter, and they, these stories are just constantly pouring through, and it's it's heartbreaking. Well, it it, it is, and I mean, if I, you know, you, you've jogged my memory on a on a couple of points there. Right. In the um, what one no, not one of the main case studies in the in the in the book, but. Um, there's sort of half a page or so in the in the concluding section on the person I, I mentioned a few minutes ago who had gone to two tribunals and had had um, a, a decision that went in that person's favour each time. And if I, I'm just looking very quickly at the book to give you the the quote, which will. Um, you know, I've just said any system that was humane would not initiate the same process again in 2016. Yeah, yeah. That, that of course, is precisely what the DWP did. Now, they, they didn't just that they they didn't just do that when in if you move on two years to 2018, when the um, pit process um, started. And this connects exactly to your point about the risk of homelessness. This person was was turned down turned down for pit because um, because um, of the financial difficulties that being turned down for pit created for that person. Started to get behind with um, um, rental payments. Right. And at the at the point that it was highlighted for me, that person was on the second stage of a four-stage process that would have led to eviction. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, again, it, 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 it tallies what I was saying about people in, in job centres. The people in the in the the housing department the council were very understanding and they said well now you've explained that to us we will put a hold on that because i explained that we were challenging the pip decision um and why as did it, it take for you to tell them you know as a housing department they would have it in their notes that this person has a learning disability their yeah. ability to claim you know, it, it sounds like the system is failing on numerous levels yeah. Sorry, I inter interrupted. You. No, no, you you, you carry on because you're you're saying what you're 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 saying more or less what I would say um, say myself. Yeah. So you you, you say that, that, but you were saying that the the staff themselves were understanding. Yeah, yeah. Even to, you know, on on this this particular occasion, the person I spoke to um, said, uh, "And how, how is the person in question managing?" and I should apologise to your listeners for all the time using the person the phrase <laughs> like the person in question sounds very clumsy. But I'm just trying to protect anonymity here. No, no, it works for me. Um, you know, would would say how how is the person in question managing for food? Um, and as a result of that, said, well, I, I can arrange um, food bank vouchers. Um, and she didn't just arrange them because she lived in roughly the same area. She dropped them in to this person on the way home, you know, so, but th that is, that is, 
what what seems to characterize this is all the time help from individuals despite the system yeah yeah you know it's it's not the it's not that the system is 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 set up to help it's rather like the example i gave of the the man on um with universal credit you 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 have a a safety net that has massive holes in it people are dropping through yes. and, and you have little little um organizations or individuals here who are catching odd odd limbs yeah have, yeah yeah have, have come through the net you know that, that no one's no one's really tackling um you know the whole situation and you, you also so you mentioned mental health as well i mean the strain that that people are put under um you know i've mentioned the tears that danny had at the end of his um uh interview last week yes um yes. and i could think of up the you know the person with the universal credit problem one of the things that i and the day center were particularly aware of was that um you know the person because it had what the day center perhaps loosely described as a nervous breakdown yes. 10 years ago and you know their, their immediate concern is the strain of all this is going to um bring a repeat on um the the, the man who went to the to the tribunal where the decision was overturned he it is rare for him to spend much time outside his own room um and he had been you know four or five years ago because of the strain of everything been involved in an incident where he needed to be tasered um you know so the, the, the these are people who are you know, I'm never sure whether the word vulnerable is one we're meant to use, but I mean, it sums it up most accurately. Yes, I think it who, does. Who are vulnerable in a whole a whole range of ways. And the case that I, I describe in the, not one of the full case studies, but in the final chapter, um, a man I, I call Alan, um, who had a, a record of um, depression. His younger brother had committed suicide, and yet, the he he went for seven months without any benefits at all. Right. He was seen by someone from the DWP, and um, because he didn't understand, because Alan didn't understand what he was being told, or and or the paperwork that he was being given, I just just don't know. He went for seven months without any benefits and was just kept going by a meal, uh, a meal a day that a neighbor provided for him. Um, and that, that again, it, you see, it would, it, it, if we, if we had a, a caring system, a compassionate system, yeah, yeah a, a system fit for purpose. Yeah, that's right. It, it would pick among other things. I mean, first of all, it wouldn't be, put people through the process they're putting them through but then if if people dropped out of the system it would follow them up it would pursue them it's a you 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 fall through system and if somebody doesn't fill that bit of paper surely you know it's not beyond the ken of man to um send somebody around their house and uh inquire as to what's going on absolutely absolutely um so I, you know, I I know your your focus is 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 mental health, and that that isn't that isn't my 
prime focus, but the, the, the two things. Yes, I think they blend nicely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think the impact this is having on people is is terrible. Yeah, no, I agree we, entirely. We've we've talked uh, a lot about benefits, but the the other thing that your your book really focuses on is is cutbacks in services, yeah. and and you you were talking about isolation uh, and people who've who've had support for years and years and years suddenly don't have that. Can you talk a little about that? Yes, I can. I'm, I think well the. Obviously, you've got support that that comes in 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 different ways. Obviously, depending on people's circumstances, but but the two main sources of support would either be support given at home to the person to help them manage on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis Yes. Um, by, for example, an organization like Mencap. So you have a support worker that goes into the, into the home, you know, as you know, and, and provides help there. Yeah. That's, that's one, one, um, one way in which, or principal way in which support is given. The, the, the other way is, uh, the financial support to attend a day center, um, which could be for a, a full week, could be yeah. part of a week. Um, and obviously you get people who get who can receive a combination of both. Um, now, the, the, the case studies in the book that I focus, focus on, there are two who, um, who receive funding to attend a, a day centre. Yeah, yeah. And one of them... Um, had his day center the funding for his day center attendance removed completely the other had half of it taken away yeah now the i mean it's to the credit of the people running the day center and this again is another example of i was really touched by this yeah of of what you said about people just picking up the pieces that are left by the mess that other people create yes that they're, they're not prepared to turf these people out you know to say well i'm sorry you know we haven't got any money for you they, they, they find a way of managing i've got no idea how they do it no um, no because they're certainly not flush for money yes it's plate spinning extraordinaire isn't it yeah yeah that's right um and then the the, the people who have the support at home all of them have had um their support the, the number of hours they get um in support they've had them cut um, the the figure that I I've, I've come up with as an average I think is twenty seven percent, you know, which is that's huge. It's yeah, huge. That's right. And the 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 impact the 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 impact. I mean, there there are so many things underlying this that you would probably know far more about the, the, than I do with your with your background, but the the, the the pressure to put services out to competitive tender. Yes. Um, it, we, we, we were told millions of years ago it's important to have a mixed economy of care. Oh, right. It's just horrible jargon. Yes, yeah. And and I mean that I I think that that is one one a major factor in the in the problems that that are apparent now. Um, you you might remember in the book 
uh, this was before my time, but one or two of the the principal case studies, they had um, they had problems ten to fifteen years ago when the support hours that were provided by Mencap were put up to a um, through this competitive tendering process. Yes, yes. It was allocated to a different organisation. And from what had been uh, a stable pattern of provision with support workers who were familiar, you know, to the people concerned, yeah, yeah, were were, were, were to all intents and purposes friends as well, you know, because they become you know, oh, yeah. what we made yeah. at the start were replaced by an organisation where the standard visit was twenty minutes. Um, and, and one instance where one of these men went to the office of the organization in the town where, where they live, and the, the door was only um, held partly ajar. Um, they weren't allowed in properly to talk about the issue they wanted to discuss. Wow. Um, now, I mean, that, that contract after a three-year campaign was restored to the original providers. Um, but, I mean, that, that is, is certainly part of the background. I think this is what happens when you look purely at the financial side of something. Mm. You know, if somebody says we can provide the same service for much less, you know, if it's too good to, it, it sounds too good to be true, it mm. is. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, if if... If you if the standard price of a television is three hundred pounds and someone knocks on the door and says, "Like, well, a television here, and it's only going to cost you two hundred pounds," you you smell a rat, don't you? Yes, yes. You think, "Oh, I wonder when it's going to stop working." I wonder. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, and that 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 is that's certainly the case. Certainly the case at the moment. I, I you know, I, I have to be have have to be careful. I don't I don't um, yeah. criticize people. You know, in in a way that's not justified. But one of the cases, one of the, one of the issues I I raise in the conclusion of the book is that um, that the that the way in which care services get um, become a component of an organisation whose primary function is not care. Yes, um, yes. and I. It's, it's very similar to what I was saying about the about the, the Department of Work and Pensions, Job Centre staff, and so on. Um, it seems to me that the, the people on the ground. I'm not knocking the people on the ground, but if yeah. there are then issues that get referred up the line, if the ethos of the company is not one that is fundamentally about providing care and support, that there's every chance that they're going to make a mistake or or not understand the issue um which an organization which has its focus on that area is more likely to get right so two questions what needs to change and whose noses do we need to thrust this under to start to affect that change oh well, uh, it's going to be a long podcast, Chris. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm happy. It's, it's, it's all, all, I've, I've got you here, so I'm going to drag as much out of you as I possibly can. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I've, 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 I've mentioned, um, I've mentioned the Department of 
working pensions, and I won't go over that again, but I, I yeah. think that there, there's fundamental change needed to that process. Um, but I, I think the you, you, you're probably um, you probably know the detail of the 2014 Care Act better than I do. But but one of its one of its recommendations is that um, each each person, you know, in in terms of the Care Act, not necessarily with a learning disability, but it applies to them. Each person should be looked at holistically. Yes. yes. Um, and. It, it, that's the same thing which the House of Lords has picked up on certainly a couple of occasions, asking for a, a an assessment of the cumulative impact of cuts on people with a, a disability. Right, right. Um, now, I, I think that that area is 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 one focus that is really needed now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I. I in 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 layman's terms, if you if if you if you look at it, if you like through the other end of the the telescope, um, if you, you you have cuts that are applied um, in isolation and in often insensitively, but if you instead look at how things appear from the you know the point of view of someone who's on the receiving end of them yes and what, what one of the men in the in the book um les who i haven't mentioned so far um he doesn't just have to deal with cuts to benefits and cuts to his support hours because of cuts that you might remember there's there's reference in the book to the fact that he had a, a befriender for 18 months he really yes. got off very well with that person, um, but then because of cuts, that that person's taken away. The defendant disappears. He, the man himself, has got uh, a lot of uh, a lot of talent for for drawing. Because of cuts, he can he no longer has free art classes to go to. Um, because of cuts, quite frankly, he's unlikely to get a social worker, um, and. Again, if he wanted to do, you know, I've, I've got a small section in the book about the declining opportunities for work, certainly for paid work, and it's quite yeah, difficult to get yeah. voluntary work. The the county up to 2012, I think, had three um, three staff who were looking, who, whose responsibility was to, to find uh, work opportunities for people yeah, yeah. Uh, that they walk on. So you see the cumulative effect of all these cuts. And then if, if he wants to raise all these issues, he is going to have, because of cuts, a huge struggle to find an advocate to help him make his case. So that's what I mean by, by looking at individual circumstances in the whole. Now, how you... Um, how you create a system which does that effectively, um, I'm not sure. But that, that that is what the Care Act says should be happening, and it is yes, not yes. happening. It, 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 I mean, it, it sounds like it, I, I, there's a real culture change required uh, for people to look at the situation rather than... Oh, it, was, it feels like purely money, purely yeah. about 
punishment purely about uh, I don't know uh, withdrawing services and 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 getting people to look at it more holistically. While you were talking about uh, you know employment opportunities, I, I just remembered that uh, Remploy, uh, the the organisation that, that was there to help people with disabilities, with loan disabilities, into work has had massive cuts to its funding. So, yeah. again, you know, that's another sort of hole uh, that's, that, that's sort of emerged that, that, that hasn't been patched up. Or, or if it is being patched up, it's being patched up by volunteers who are really, I don't know, fighting against a massive tide. Yes, yeah, that, that, that's, that's right. And, again, one of, one of the... Um, well, one of the cases I look at look at in depth in the book frank he he the over roughly a 20-year period he moves from um paid employment to stable voluntary um employment yeah to when i say unstable voluntary employment yes. that's no reflection on the work done there but yeah, that the sort of voluntary project that is only funded on an annual basis so you never quite know whether it's going to continue and you know that 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 is you know for me is typical of the em- employment problems which a lot of people with a learning disability have as well um yeah but you, you asked you asked me what should be what, what should be done i mean i think that that's that's one one major thing yes uh, it, the simple thing as well is that money has to be spent um yeah it it can't there's no point in pretending that this can be done on the cheap um it it is going to cost money and what one thing which um a small group of us here are are starting um is a, a campaign which will stop people with a learning disability having to go through repeat assessments you know you, you mentioned earlier you know, absolutely correctly that someone with a learning disability uh, well it's probably too broad a generalization it is not going to change but in, in almost every circumstance that the, what what they have got is there for life yeah yeah and in in that in that instance you've got to uh, you've got to challenge this need for um repeat assessment so that that's what our that's what our campaign is is going to focus on if you send me the the link to that i'll i'll attach that to everything i share around this podcast well i'll I'll explain why i probably can't go that far at the moment because okay okay what what we we're we're still we're still in, in it's still in its infancy um but i'll certainly let you know when it it becomes brilliant please do because I, I won't get on to Brexit, but <laughs> we, we, we've had we we've contacted a couple of national organisations who are keen to give us backing, but the advice they are saying is: look, there is absolutely no point in trying to get attention for a campaign like this, worthy though it is at the moment, because you won't get people to turn their heads away from Brexit. Yes, um, yeah, because that's where all the focus is. And I'm sure that's right because I've, I, you know, I, I've I've had, um, you know, a, a lot of positive response from people. I mean, you, yourself obviously, and and others. And right. what what one has come from um, uh, a Scottish 
national MP he was asked me up to Westminster to talk to MPs about about but um, the 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 times the dates that I gave initially were in March right and she she wrote back and said I I think with the March the 29th deadline looming um, you're not going to get any attention so we postponed it to April the 30th and you know how Brexit has rumbled on. Oh, yes. Said, said postpone it again. And, you know, that, that to me, you know, just confirms the, 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 the difficulties that anyone who is not talking about Brexit has of, of getting their views heard at the moment. Yeah, there but, is no story. But, but I, I would hope I can use that, you know, to... That would be brilliant. I think that's, some that, pressure. that's a good opportunity. And, and hopefully... You know, MPs will turn up for that as well, and I don't know, engage with it. Yeah, well, I I saw um, I saw a debate that was um, arranged by a, a Labour MP, and I may have got her Christian name wrong. I think it's Laura Pidcock. Right. Um, I think and, you're right. Yes. Yeah, and that that was on the um, all the problems that that had emerged in relation to the work capability assessment that's done for employment and support allowance and I I watched the debate through and the number of MPs who were furious about what was going on and but not just furious in a ill-informed way that they they had they had cases very much like the ones that I've mentioned today uh, cases that they were raising um, not in it not not once by the way, about someone with a learning disability, but that wasn't particularly okay. their yeah. um, but, you know, but the sort of point that I would make was that all the problems that you've highlighted here, they are um, twice as great, ten times as great. Yeah, yeah. Whatever factor you want to um, you, you want to specify for someone with a learning disability. Yeah, it's just compounding, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, the, the, one of the things, just going back, uh, we were talking about you know lack of services and <clears throat> cutbacks. There are things that are kind of invisible that that we we that, that the general public just don't hear about, and uh, you know it's it's administrative stuff. Like uh, when I was a social worker, <clears throat> the funding for social work support. Uh, would be supported by a thing called the Independent Living Fund. I don't know if yes. you ever came across that. Yes, yes, I did. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, so basically, uh, as a social worker, I'd put in uh, a, a support package, a care package that really looked at the sort of nuts and bolts of what a person needs, and then the Independent Living Fund would could come in uh, with a substantial amount of money to look at the 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 the, the stuff that. I don't know, like education, like employment, like, you know, things that, that didn't immediately relate to personal care. And you could be really imaginative with with that. And um, with that being taken away, you know, it, it's, a, it's just a, a massive loss, but it's something that people don't hear about. And, and for some people, it, it can mean as much as, I don't know, 500, 600 pounds worth of care a week is mm. gone. Mm. Yes, that's right. I mean that 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 was an appalling decision. I mean, and that, and giving you, you know, to give you another example as far as employment and support allowance, what what's what sounds like a, you know, perhaps the, the sort of measure that would just slip below people's attention. But with the uh, until 
I think it was April 2017, employment support allowance was paid to everyone um, who qualified for it at yes. a, a rate of a £115 a, a week, I think is the figure. Okay. There, there might be a few more pence on top of that. From, from that date, <clears throat> they changed employment support allowance so that it, it was that, that people were placed in one of two categories. Uh, one was what is termed a support group, and one was the work-related activity group. Yes. And the, the, the theoretical distinction between the two is that someone in the support group is not going to be able to work, but someone in the work-related activity group, there is a reasonable chance that with the right help and training sure. and so on, yeah. they might, yeah. might get work. But the, the, the nub of this is in the work-related activity group, um, you don't get £115, you get £73.10p. Wow. Um, and the the comment that Frank Field, I think, made at, at the time with the Department of Work and Pension Select Committee was he, he may not have used the term Dickensian, um, but he, he he highlighted the assumption that seemed to lie behind it that you somehow incentivise people to find work by driving them further into poverty. Yes, and that's never good to work, surely. No, no, no. No, because I mean, if if you if you if if the work is there, and if if you are going to go and try and get the work, you've got to find a way of getting there. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, you you need you need the the clothing properly cleaned, so that when you are interviewed or whatever happens, that you actually look you know presentable. Yes, and et cetera, yes, etc. And then to, to me, what exposes the charade um, of, of having these two categories as, as purely a money-saving exercise. There is someone who is um, only a partial success. I managed to move through an application process from job seekers allowance, which as you know, means you you have to be regularly attending a job centre and work and looking for work and so on. Well, Thirty five hours a week, isn't it? That, that's right. Yeah, managed to get her uh, the person moved from job seekers allowance to employment support allowance, but only into the work related activity group, which does you know have have some expectation of of work being an eventual outcome. Yes. yes. Now. Or the only attendance at the job centres required there is approximately once every nine months um, to see how things are, are going. And I go along each time with this person principally to make sure that you know, the person is not forced into down a route which is not going to be suitable. A point of no return, yes. Yeah, that's right. But it, it, each time, each time I've gone... I, I needn't have bothered to go because the, you know, the person the person dealing with this case at the job centre has been absolutely excellent. Right, has, right. Has, has turned and you know to the, the person in question has said absolutely no problem. You know, the person goes to a job centre at the moment and helps clean tables and so on in in the in the canteen. Yes. What you are doing is fine as work. You don't need to do anything else. Just come back again in nine months. But it, it, it's quite difficult for me because the, the way in which 
the case is being handled, it's very sensitive, the person is not being put under extra pressure, but for me it exposes the fact that it is basically a financial scam. Yes, yes. That in, in, in reality, the, the pretense that more work is likely to come from a person as a result of being on this scheme is, is just baloney. Yeah. Um, yeah. All, all, that, all, all that is happening is that the person is being paid £42 a week less and, in essence, is being told, well, it's all right, you just stay there and nothing's going to happen to you. Yeah, and we're paying you less. It's... Yeah, we're paying you less, and we, we and I, I, I say it's difficult for me because I, I feel like challenging it as a sham. But if I start challenging it as a sham, then you know, the person whose benefits are at issue they might find themselves being pushed into some sort of work. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So what it's a mess! What a mess! Yeah. Um, I, I'm aware we've we've been speaking uh, a while. Um. Is there anything you'd like to to finish on? Is there anything you'd like to uh, say that I haven't asked you about? Well, I, I think I think I've just about covered everything that I, I, I thought you might ask, or I, I hope to get across. Yeah. Uh, am I? Can I give my book a little plug? Please do. Please do. Yeah, yeah because the um, you know the book is. Um, it's called Austerity's Victims, as you said at the at the beginning. Um, it's it's available on Amazon, and I'll say something about that in a moment. Sure. Um, and the, you know, perhaps I, I don't know if you'd be able to put links under the podcast. I, I certainly will. Lovely. Um, if I could just mention Amazon, I've had several people who've contacted me who've who've said that be, because they dislike Amazon and their approach to their employees and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they other, otherwise would have bought the book, but they're, you know, they, they, they don't feel they can because they can't support okay. something that comes through Amazon. And my response to that has been that I fully sympathize with that. I mean, I don't like Amazon either, quite frankly. Okay. Um, but because I was self-publishing um, and self-funding, um, I was completely in the hands of the man who sets the sets the book up and he only sets the book the book and the ebook um up through um create space and kdp which are subsidiaries of amazon okay so okay. I, you know I, I was i was stuck there but the as far as the cost is concerned the the book the 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 print copy is six pound 57 which is cost price so there's there's no profit there yeah, yeah. with the the kindle it's 99p i i tried I think the cost price is 75p. I tried to get it down to 75p, and the, the kit, and the system wouldn't allow me to. It was okay. like DWP, I think. So I'm making a princely 24p on that. So it, it's it's hardly a money making racket. I hope you're going to invest that wisely. I, I will. <laughs> yes, I shall. I shall buy lots of chocolate bars. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I I think that really is it, Chris. Um, uh, it's, that's been absolutely brilliant. Thanks ever so much, Neil. I really appreciate your your wisdom on this because i think it's a thing that people i don't know we're we're not interested enough in it and it needs to go in front of more people so that more people actually know what's going on and the impact that that austerity is is having having on our lovely citizens 
Yeah, well, it's interesting you say that because I, you know, I thought I'd finished, but I mean, the, the, the one, <laughs> yeah, the, you've, um, I'm hard to shut up once I get going. But the in the the, the reactions that I've had, sometimes from um, from from people who've who've emailed me or messaged me on Twitter or whatever, but also from people who I who I know um, reasonably well as friends, and their response has been consistent really with what you've just said uh it's been thank you for writing this um i had no idea things like this happened yeah. and then the word that has cropped up f- five or six times in responses is people saying i feel ashamed that i live in a country that treats people like this absolutely Absolutely. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. I, yeah, I think you say at the beginning of your book, um, the mark of a civilised society is how it treats its most vulnerable members. Yes, yeah. And we're not doing that very well just now, are we? We're, we're certainly not. No. Brilliant. But listen, thanks ever so much for coming on, Neil, and uh, I'll share this about the place soon. Okay. Thank, thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Bye just now. Bye-bye. That's it from Walker Mile just now. A huge thank you to Neil. Remember, you can buy his book, Austerity's Victims, Living with a Learning Disability under Cameron and May on Amazon. For those who'd prefer not to use Amazon, you can contact Neil directly at killingyousoftly at outlook.com. That's killingyousoftly at outlook.com for a copy. Either way, please buy his book. You won't regret it. You can also find him on Twitter at neilcarpenter14. That's at Neil Carpenter 14. Remember, you can contact me on 07535035909 or email me at hello at letswalkamile.org or follow me on Twitter at UK. And remember, if you have the Anchor.fm app, you can leave audio messages that I can play in the next episode. Till the next time, I've been Chris Young and you've been rather fabulous. Walk a mile.